Hello and welcome to PostgreSQL, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I'm Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and this is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we going to be talking about today? Hi Michael, a few weeks ago we discussed what I call query micro-analysis. When we have only one query and we want to understand how it works, how it will be executed on production. Let's talk today about the wide picture about how we can analyze the whole workload and find the worst parts of it. Yeah, so if that was micro, micro performance right. analysis, this this I've heard you call yeah, macro macro performance analysis. So maybe there's nothing wrong, but we want to be able to see at a glance. Are there any big issues? Is there a is there a spike on some metric, something like that? Maybe it's monitoring related, maybe it's a review of something in the past, that kind of thing. Right. There are many goals that we can have in this analysis. For example, there are complaints like database is slow, right? We hear it quite often. Database is slow from application developers and other, like, I don't know, like uh, SREs uh, no, and so on. And we want to identify the parts of workload which behave the worst. And this is one thing. Or, or we just want to optimize resource consumption to prepare for future growth. And we don't, we don't want to spend more for hardware, so we, we want to find, again, we want to find the worst behaving parts of workload and we optimize them. There are many different cases. Yeah, so I mean, it could be, it could be an application developer telling us, it could be customers reporting that there are issues. Mm-hmm. And we, maybe we want to find out which part is slow, or maybe we want to show them that there isn't an issue, you know, or we can't, we can't see anything database side. All right. One of the cases I like especially is when we perform workload analysis as a whole during various kinds of preparations, various kinds of testing before we deploy. And this is also interesting. And there we can also try to understand are all parts behave well or there are not so well behaving parts. So we should optimize before we deploy. But let's just start from maybe historical aspects of it. Like 15 years ago or so, we didn't have PGSTAR statements, which right now is standard de facto extension for macro analysis. And there is consensus in the community that PGSTAR statements must, must be have, should be enabled in all Postgres installations. By default, uh, this extension is not installed, but everyone should consider installing this extension because it has very, very small overhead, but it's like the place where you probably want to start your macro analysis, understanding how workload behaves. But before PGSA statements, we had only logs, and the idea was, okay, we log all slow queries, for example, queries, execution of which is longer than one second. And I remember I, when I was briefly just one week, I was a user of MySQL and switched to Postgres. And then I, it was a confirmation of the, like my choice was right. It was confirmation when I found that in Postgres, I could go down below one second. I mean, log mean duration statement timeout and the log queries, for example, which are above 100 milliseconds. But in MySQL, it was not possible. And one, one second was the lowest value. Right now, they fixed it already and you can go down below one second. But at that time, it, it was in 2005, 6, 7. So, and, and we log all slow queries and then we can uh, parse logs. Uh, and I remember we had a tool called PGFWIN, uh, written in 
PHP and then PG Badger was created, written in Perlet. It, it's much more, it's much better in terms of performance. It, it has much more features and so on, like uh, more robust. It's, it's been developed still. And I, by the way, yesterday they released version 12, I think I saw some in the news, right? So PG yeah. Badger 12. More and more features right now it can work with auto explain and, and uh, many things. So the idea was let's parse those those queries and remove parameters from them and so aggregate them. It's the process which in PGSTA statements, a source code terminology called query normalization. And then we will, we will show the worst, according to some metric, the worst uh, query groups. But the problem with this approach is that this is only the tip of the iceberg. We, we might have much more many more queries which are not visible in logs, but they produce the most load. Sometimes like 90% of load is produced by queries which are under uh, log min duration statement timeout. So the, some DBAs used approach like, let, let's enable all query logging with, with duration for a few minutes and collect logs. And some, including myself, found a way to store logs in memory. It was quite like risky, so I used it only a couple of times. So we put, we, we create a drive in memory, and we put logs there. But it's like only like I don't know, like half, half a gigabyte because memory is is expensive. And we make very aggressive rotation, so we don't let Postgres log to be very to to saturate this small disk. But since it's in memory, we can afford logging a lot. And we can set log duration statement amount to zero, meaning that let's log all queries. That's the big downside of, you know, logging does have an overhead if, you, if you're logging excessively. Yeah. Or if you, so that, that seems to be a good argument for not, not, well, that's why we don't have to anymore, right? Right, yes. Logging overhead may be very big and it's not noticeable until some point when your drive where you write logs is saturated in terms of write disk I.O. and then everything goes down and it's not fun. Like this is a, one of the worst observer effects I had in big production cases and it was very painful. So I don't recommend to go down to zero in terms of log duration statement blindly and without proper preparation. But anyway, this uh, right now we consider as outdated approach because we have PGSTAR statements, right? And we don't need to log all queries anymore. We still need to log some queries because PGSTAR statements doesn't have examples. In PG Badger reports, uh, aggregated uh, normalized queries, I call them query groups. The PG Badger provides a few examples, and this is very important because uh, in each query group, you might have different uh, cases. One, the same query, abstract query without parameters, might behave very differently in terms of plan, execution plan, depending on parameters. So when you, you already identified queries you want to improve, you need examples always, and this is tricky. Guessing examples is a big, not yet solved task. I think it's a good task for machine learning and so on. I, I like, I, I'm very interested in, in this area. Like, if some, if someone of our listeners also interested in this area, please let's talk because I, I, I think it's a very interesting area to automate, to improve, to allow us to improve more queries with less time, right? But at the moment, we can patch it together via a mixture of PGStat statements and logging yeah we we can combine logging and pgsa statements also query id helps in recent very recent postgres versions before query id we used libpq query uh, from lucas fittle right 
So we we like it's an additional idea, and the good thing about this library or tool that if you apply it to already normalized query, it will produce the same fingerprint as for non-normalized raw query. But anyway, if you use logs, you can find examples. But another source of examples of queries is persistent activity. But in most cases where lack of DBA involvement happened, I saw that track activity size or how it's called, I always forget. The, there is parameter which says the maximum length of persistent activity dot query column. And by default, it's 1,024 1, only. Yeah. Right, right. And it's not enough. Or ORMs or humans, they can create much bigger queries these days. So we want to put it to put like 10K there or something. Overhead is very small. So I always also recommend to increasing, but increasing it requires restart. This is the main problem. Yeah, so one of those ones you have to do at the beginning normally, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So this parameter should be increased. And if we increase it, we have more opportunity to get samples of queries from persistent activity. Then we can join or match them with persistent statements data. And then probably logs are not that needed. Unless you use auto-explain, because auto-explain is also very useful. And again, your article about the overhead and how to measure it and the idea that sometimes it's not that big is good. And maybe you want also this, because in this case, you see plans exactly as it was during execution, because plan flips happen as well. Yeah, I was going to ask, actually... We've talked about the overhead of, of these things a little bit. You mentioned the overhead of PGStat statements is is low. I've seen some people mention that they've tried to benchmark it and struggled. But have you seen anybody actually struggled try and, in which way? Struggled to measure the overhead on a on a normal workload. Of, it's it's very. I, have simple. you seen any benchmarks of it? I, well, I haven't. I haven't. I trust already current experience, but we can do it. This is not the most difficult benchmark in the in Postgres ecosystem. So we can just. Of course, it's it's good if you can benchmark for your own workload. And the question is how to reproduce workload in a reliable way. So each run is the same or very close to each other. And then we can just use, we, we can use various metrics which database has without PGSA statements. But for example, from PGSA database, we should, if we enable track IO timing, and by the way, usually we should enable it. Of course, we also discussed it. There are cases on some hardware, it can be expensive, it's worth checking. But if we enable it, we can produce workloads, check this parameter, then reset produce. Or we can also we can check throughput and especially latency from application side. If we use application called PG Bench, which I don't know why Ubuntu ships it in server package, not client package. But, but if, we, if we use that application, it, it reports uh, all latencies or sysbench, any anything. Yeah, what I meant, I think when I said when I said struggled, what I meant was the variance of each run is larger than any overhead so i either you you're saying the you can't say the overhead zero right because it's definitely doing some work but it's not not necessarily measurable because it be a few percent i don't yeah. think it I, I think it might even be lower than that for some rltp workloads well uh benchmarking is the area we probably need to discuss one day separately yeah but my general advice is by default many benchmark tools and pg badger is no exclusion here they don't do load testing, regular load testing. They do edge case of load testing called stress testing. Like, let's load it 
by default. That's why I suggest usually to find the spot in terms of TPS. You can control TPS in PG, PGBench. You find a spot like loading your system in terms of, for example, CPU or disk IO, like 25%. Between 25 and 50, emulating normal days of your production. Because if it's above, you already should think about upgrading or very heavy optimization. And in this case, you should check latencies and compare in each run. And in this case, variants should be the same. I don't know why they were different. Something is wrong. I, I would like to see the concrete case and, and, and understand. Yeah. Well, so back onto, so now, now that we have PG stat statements, there's a few things to mention there. It's, yeah, not on by default unless you're, unless you're on a cloud provider. They often, they often do have it on by default. So people do need to load it if they don't already. I come across quite a lot of customers who don't, if, they, if they're self-managing, they don't even, they're not even aware it's a thing. So that there probably are a bunch of people out there who don't have it on, even though the, the experienced people Everyone should there. have it. Yeah, I think so. But then again, what? So there are a few default settings there that I think can be improved. There's like a, is it five thousand statements by the or five thousand unique? Yeah, you are talking about pgstatstatements.max parameter, which is, as I remember, five thousand by default. Uh, Usually it's enough, but in some cases it's not enough when your queries are very volatile in terms of structure, not in terms of parameters, because pgstatstatements during query normalization removes parameters, but in terms of uh, the structure, if you just swap two columns in your query it's already considered as two different cases two different entries in pgsat statements table and pgsat statements max is 5000 so you can increase it but as i remember only to 10000 maximum i don't remember exactly but why why we care because if pgsat statements has metrics which just grow over time incremental metrics like total time total exact time total plan time because uh, they split in postgres 13 as i remember in this case we need two snapshots to analyze we need to, two snapshots and two numbers and then difference between those two numbers is what we have during our period of observation snapshotting is absolutely needed otherwise it's not like the manual approach let's reset statistics often and then use only final snapshot, thinking that we started everything from zero. It has downsides. For example, filling with new entries has overhead as well. If you check source code, it says when we add an entry, so there is a lock there, and it might be noticeable during dozens or sometimes like 100 milliseconds. It can be, it can be noticeable for all workload. So it's it's better not to reset very often, in my experience. And anyway, it's not it's not practical to reset them. You lose information as well. Then the question is like, how often we have evictions of rare queries, and like what is the like some drift of our query set? And you, you can see it, you can compare the difference between two snapshots, like for example, one hour between them, and you can see which new queries and queries which, which disappeared from the list. And this, is, this difference indicates how, well, like eviction speed. And I've noticed that some, for example, Java applications, they use a set application name to something very unique, including some maybe process ID or something. And PGSA statements cannot normalize so-called utility commands and set as utility commands. So these queries are considered as separate, all of them, all set. In this case, you might want to turn off PGSA statements track utility, which is on by default. 
right? And in this case, yeah. you don't because I, I I haven't had cases when we do need to analyze the speed of set commands. Well, maybe it might happen, but in my experience, not yet. <laughs> so it's better okay. to just turn it off. It's on by default. That makes loads of sense. I think talking about the snapshot comparisons, I think that must be how the cloud providers all do it. And a lot, lot of the dashboards that you'll see in RDS, Google Cloud SQL, there's a bunch of other ones as well, like, or even, even like open source tools. Talking of tools that have, have had releases recently, PG Hero came out with version three, I think. Wow. Yesterday. I, I haven't noticed. Rec- good. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's really very cool. lightweight and good tool. Like for for small teams, I I enjoy, like yeah, and and based on page stat statements again. So it's yeah, it's it's the basis for lots of these. But back to the cloud providers, by taking snap the the way they get historic data is by taking these snapshots and, and rolling them and comparing them to each other. Not by well, they not by rolling it forever on the same. You know, right. they don't they don't run a reset once a year, for example, if that makes sense. Right. Well, so why why do we care about this eviction speed uh, and transition to new to new list? Because we want to analyze the whole workload, right? And in this case, of course, disabling tech utility, we we will don't see this utility part. But if we consider it small, we can do it. But we will have more real queries in our PGS statements. And we will have 5,000 by default. It's quite a big number. But the second place where cutoff can happen is monitoring system or cloud power. I don't know. They usually store like 500 only or 1,000. They don't take everything. Because it's expensive to store everything in monitoring system. You need to, if you, if you want snapshots, samples of PGSA statements, snapshots every, for example, minute, imagine how, how many records you need to store. If you, if every, every minute you store 5,000 entries from PGSA statements. So usually they also cut off and making decisions what, what to remove, what to leave. We usually think about which metrics are the most important. Yeah. So actually that you, I think you already mentioned it briefly, but the, the total time seems is my, is my favorite. I know, I know we've talked about mine uh, as timings well, versus. but I, uh, mine as well, but I saw people which prefer not total time. Actually in my team, the, 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 there are such people which prefer, for example, uh, average time, mean time, mean exact time or mean exact time plus mean plan time, because we like probably want to combine them because the execution includes both planning and uh, execution like me i mean okay tautology sorry <laughs> yeah we call that to- we call it total time by summing the two but there, there's no such ah, parameter total already there. used yeah. in different contexts. exactly well but then but the problem this goes back to our conversation about logs versus uh, pg stat statements though the the reason I, I guess the reason for you as well but i'd be interested the reason I prefer total time is you could easily have your biggest performance problem you, being. So, so, so you understand why total is, is used twice here, right? Because total, yeah, yeah. total is sum of all timing for. I mean, there is total exact time and total, and total plan time. Plan time. Yeah. Total, 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 total. No, it's yeah. not good. Like total whole. I, how to how to name it? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, they don't, and they. But we can sum those at the query level, right? We can sum sum the two of them if that's what we care about. But my yeah, sorry. What I was what I guess I was trying to say was our biggest performance problem could easily be a relatively fast query which has a really low average mean. So sorry, average by mean time. So it could be on average 20 milliseconds, but it's getting run 
so many times and maybe it's still like not optimal maybe it could be running in sub one millisecond and that could be our biggest performance opportunity and by looking at total time total execution time plus total planning time we could see that that could rise to the top of our query it could be line number one whereas if we're looking at average time we could easily like so many queries that only run a couple of times that take a few seconds each right they'd be long above it this is an interesting topic. Which metric is more important? By the way, the lack of words here indicates that the topic is quite complex, right? I mean, English doesn't have enough words to, to provide it. <laughs> I'm joking, of course, but interesting. Total word time, if you combine both exec and plan. Some words should exist, and we probably already use somewhere, somewhere. So total versus um, uh, average or mean time. In, in my, like, I came to conclusion like this. If our primary goal is resource optimization, if we want to prepare for future growth, we want to pay less for cloud resources or hardware, total time is our friend. Because this is, well, of course it includes some wait time as well. For example, we have a lot of contention and some queries are some sessions are blocked by other sessions. It also contributes to total time, but resource consumption probably it's not that much because waiting is quite cheap usually, right? But if we forget about this a little bit, total both plan and exact time, if we combine them, this is uh, our time spent for, to process our workload. If we know that we analyzed everything, this is how much work Postgres did. We can even take total total time and divide it by observation duration. And we, we will understand how much time we spend every second. I, I call it, like, metric is, is in seconds per seconds, my favorite metric. It, it, if, for example, if it's one second per second, it means that, that we, like, roughly one, one core? core could process this. It's very, very, not like, we forget about context switches here, of course, and so on. But it gives some feeling of our workload. If we have 10 seconds per second needed to process. It's quite good workload already. We need probably some beefy server here. As for average time, these numbers are most useful uh, when we have a goal like let's optimize uh, for best user experience. Yeah. So like, it, I guess that's our 50th percentile, isn't it? With, is it? No, it's not. It's not. So I, I, even then I don't prefer, I don't even like mean for those because I'd much rather look at a P95 or something and look at it client side not database side well it depends but sometimes like as you as you said sometimes we had very very rare, rarely executed queries but but quite important ones for example it can be some kind of analytics not analytics but some aggregation and so on and the average is terrible and we do want to improve it because we know that uh, users who look at those numbers or who use these queries, these users are important, for example. Some like our internal team analyzing something or I don't know, like finance people or something. And some, some kind of anal more analytical workload, it, it, not necessarily analytical, but you, 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 I, I hope you understand, right? <laughs> so. I think I understand. So, like, give you an example. When I was at a payments company, we had it was like a batch. It was daily batch payments. We had a deadline to submit a file. It was like a 10 p.m. UK time deadline, and the job literally had to finish before then. And as this job got longer and longer, uh, it got closer to that deadline, and then it, it forced some some work. So maybe that wouldn't have shown up if we'd looked at duration or total total time, but. 
yeah, I do, but I also think those kinds of issues often crop up without you doing having to do this like macro analysis work because somebody's telling you about them. Yeah, so so if we or if we decided to order by meantime, you, sometimes we see on the top we see something that we say, well, it's fine that it executes a minute, a minute, because it's some cron job and nobody cares if it's if it's just select, for example, and no, no locking involved. And mm -hmm. it lasts one minute. It's not a big deal. So we, we probably want to exclude some queries from top n ordered by mean time, to, uh, average time. For total time, it's not so. I'm usually really interested in each entry from the top. That's why I also prefer total time. But I see people use mean time successfully, caring about mostly users, not about servers. So roughly, total time is for infrastructure teams for to optimize for servers, uh, while mean time is probably interesting to application development teams and for humans, right? <laughs> so very, very roughly. Uh, and um, there is also calls, important metric. Right? Why we, why we discuss uh, which metric to choose? Because in, when you build good monitoring, you need to choose several metrics and build a dashboard consisting of uh, multiple charts, top end charts, top end by total time, top end by mean time, top end by calls, for example. Why calls? Probably for database itself, it's not that important. And if the most frequent queries, they might, might produce not the biggest load. Of course, if, if there are a lot of very, very fast queries, I would check context switches, for example, and so on, right? And think about how CPUs are, are busy in this area. But I've noticed that sometimes we want to reduce frequency of some, some of the most frequent queries because overhead on application side is terrible. This is unusual approach because sometimes people optimizing workload or database, they think only about database. But I had cases when optimization, for example, let's take top three order by calls and just reducing the frequency, we can throw out 50% of our application nodes. Can you imagine the, the, the benefit of it? <laughs> the cost saving, right? But uh, so it could, like, just to give an example from the application side, I guess that would be a, one way of spotting potential N plus one issues where if it's the, the same queries getting executed over and over again, it's the, that's the kind of thing it could point to. Right, right. So it's interesting. I think uh, I don't understand all of aspects here. And I think we lack good documentation uh, how to use PGSTAR statements. So many, many angles, so many like derivatives as well. But uh, I, I would like to finalize uh, discussion of metrics. I wanted to mention also IO metrics, shared buffer hits and, and uh, shared blocks. They called shared blocks uh, read and hit, right? Let me check. Shared uh, blocks hit, shared blocks read. Also dirty yep. and written. But if we consider only and only well, local and temp additional, but let's just if we discuss everything we need an hour. Yeah. <laughs> right? So many aspects. But I, I wanted to mention only a few, like hit and read, uh, shared buffers, hit and, and read, hit and read, because it's... Okay, uh, if we talk about this only, an interesting thing here is that sometimes monitoring system thinks that read is enough. Because it's the slowest operation, let's... Well, as we already discussed a few times, Postgres doesn't uh, see the actual disk read. Like the operating system cache versus the disk reads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this read is from a page cache. Maybe it's disk read, but maybe not. We don't know. But usually monitoring system says, okay, ordering by shared blocks read is the most interesting. But I had cases at least two times when I really needed just that, uh, statements uh, shared blocks hit. 
and finding the most like because working with buffer pool in Postgres, the shared buffers was so intensive by some query group. So so, and I if you don't have it in monitoring, you need to start sampling PGSAR statements yourself, writing some scripts on the fly. It's not fun at all. <laughs> So I think most most DBS who are, have experience, they have something in their tool set. But for example, PG uh, Center, PG Center can sample it for you. You can use it as ad hoc tool if you don't have it in monitoring and you have problem right now, for example. But I also suspect they lack top end by hit number. So <laughs> these angles and new new metric wall. How yes. like, let's find queries which generate the most the the more wall data. Let's order house gold. Let's let's check. I have the list here. It's called full page. Yeah, yeah. Wall records, wall FPI, full page inserts, and wall bytes. Yeah, three metrics added to Postgres thirteen. I I didn't see them yet in any monitoring. I I hope. Oh, maybe our PG Watch two Postgres AI edition it has it already, right? Yeah, I remember this was this was added to explain in version thirteen. Was it added to PG Stat statements at the same time? It was the same time, yes, yes. Yeah, makes mm-hmm. sense. And um, it's so good. It's so good. Like order by like, like we want to reduce wall generation definitely because the reduction of it will have very positive effect both uh, on our backups subsystem and uh, replication both logical and physical. So we do want to produce uh, fewer wall records or fewer wall bytes or full page. Uh, oh, full, full. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I never use it yet. I, I hope soon I will use it someday. And so this, I mean, I know that it's there, but never use it myself yet. Yeah. Talking about this has given uh-huh. me an idea as well. In We talked a while back about buffers and one of the things we do on a per query basis is look at the total sum of all of the buffers. And I don't, I know that doesn't make tons of sense. Summing Mm -hmm. dirtied buffers plus temp buffers plus local plus shared. We can call it total IO or something. Yeah, exactly. Or, or some kind of measure of work done and actually summing all of those and then ordering by that and looking at the top 10 queries by total IO. I think it's a smart idea. Each yeah. I/O has some cost, and uh, if we find queries which involve most I/O operations, of course, it's a good angle for our analysis. Yeah, yeah. What What else? Uh, we mentioned that we deal with page cache when we look at I/O. Yeah. But sometimes we do want to order by real physical disk I/O, right? And there is such opportunity for those who manage Postgres themselves. It's called PGStatK cache. Uh, additional extension to PGSA statements, ext- extension to extension, I would say. And uh, it provides you very good things like disk reads and writes, uh, real physical disk reads and writes, and also uh, CPU. Sometimes you want to find queries that generate the most load to your CPU, and it, it's, it even distinguishes system and user CPU. It's like, cool. It's good, yeah, yeah. And also context switches. So it's very useful extension if you care about resource consumption and you want to prepare for growth and you want to, to do some capacity planning and before that you want to optimize. And I think you've said before, but did you say it's not available on most managed services? <laughs> no, I only know Yandex managed services. They they installed it by default, but I don't, I'm not aware of any others. So yeah. Uh, also, there is another way to analyze workload we didn't cover today at all, weight event analysis. This is what RDS, for example, provides as like starting point actually for workload analysis. I think it came from Oracle world, uh, active session history analysis. 
Ash. So let's, yes, some, someday let's discuss it and compare it with traditional analysis we discussed today. Yes, and for anybody that is aware of Ash and wants it for Postgres, there is a, a, a several I've heard it called Pash. Yeah, Pash P-A-S-H as well. Yeah, exactly. But it's only a, it's a Java client application which will sample, do sampling from PGST activity, but uh, it can only be used as ad hoc tool. If you're in the middle same, of incident, yeah. Same as but, Ash, right? Isn't it? Well, you can install, for example, a PG weight sampling extension, and uh, immediately in our PG Watch 2 PostgreSQL edition, you will have similar graphs as uh, performance insights in RDS. Nice. I think Google also implemented it. I'm not quite yeah. 100% sure, but I think they did it. Or PG Center, I mentioned earlier, also a good ad hoc tool. It also has weight event sampling. It's, but let, let's and discuss it uh, some other day. We also have an episode on monitoring that people can go check out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a deeper discussion on that. And microanalysis. It's good to distinguish with things. Sometimes you you have already query. You just you need to go inside it and understand what's happening. Why is, is, is it so slow? But sometimes you have no idea where to start. Database is slow. Everything is bad. In this case, query analysis, macroanalysis is definitely worth conducting. So. Wonderful. Okay, sorry about 40 minutes again. So it's again, no, it's again longer than, than we wanted. It's uh, good. As, as usual, let's thank all our listeners who provide feedback. This week was excellent as well. A lot of, a lot of feedback. Yeah, we had a lot of great suggestions. It's been really good. Thank you. Yeah, this, this drives us. Thank you so much. Yeah, really appreciate it. Well, thanks again, Nikolai. I hope you have a good week. And see you next time. As final words, like, share, share, share. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye.